everybody. Welcome to the Anthony and Todd Show. We are a weekly podcast that critiques and memes music. I'm your host, Trevor, a.k.a. Time to Eternal a Take a Bath, <laughs> a.k.a. Football Shuffle 2020. A lot of oozy jokes today. <laughs> and I'm joined by my ever-attentive co-host, my best friend, my pal, my amigo, my Droog, Vincent. A.k.a. I have an MF Doom skin in Minecraft. <laughs> this episode 134 of the Anthony and Todd Show, an episode we would like to call J Electoral College. <laughs> Today we've got some big releases, some big fat releases for you They're today. Thick, they are large, they are cumbersome. They are eleven years in the making. Some of them, yeah. First, we're gonna go over the latest J Electronica album, the first J Electronica <laughs> album ever, a written testimony. Uh, next, we're gonna be going over the latest from Rap Ferreira, aka Milo, or formerly known as Milo, Purple Moonlight. Majesties, <laughs> purple, purple moonlight, moonlight pages. pages, purple mountain majesties, <laughs> and uh, last we're gonna go over the latest little Uzi. Well, it's not the latest. It's well, that's... second latest because the other one doesn't count, and it's stupid. <laughs> Eternal a take. Eternal a take a shit. A taki. <laughs> uh, before Japanese. we start, uh, if you want to follow the Anthony Todd Show, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Anthony Todd, YouTube.com, forward slash the Anthony Todd Show, and Podbean, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play Podcasts by searching the Anthony Todd Show in your favorite podcast browser. Also, this is probably one of two of the last uh, physical shows for a while because of the, the coronavirus. Um, so I think it's I think it's necessary to limit interactions, so this is probably the last time we're going to be physically in a room with one another. Ever. This is the last time we're going to be able to touch Trevor's face. <laughs> Ever. Uh, before he dies from the coronavirus. You get in trouble. Uh, are you ready to uh, read uh, an audio testimony? This is not written. It's not written testimony. I how am I supposed to read an album? What the heck? I don't. I I got albums so I can hear them, not so I can read them. Because reading's for nerds. Talking about the latest J Electronica album, a written testimony. Wow, uh, J Electronica is a New Orleans MC who first released Act One: Eternal Sunshine, The Pledge, back in 2007 on his MySpace page. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was literally 15 minutes of his favorite scene from Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Well, Mind. the soundtrack, and it was actually really well executed. No, it had the vocals in there, too. It, it did, but it also had like clips from like Erica Badu and stuff like that. But it was actually really well executed, and uh, it's something I only came to appreciate now, because, uh, I don't know, just hearing the mystique behind Jay Electronica and him not ever releasing a project, but he's one of those weird internet acts like, uh, what's the other dude? Andre uh, 3000. No, Andre <laughs> 3000 is similar in the build-up to an album, but more uh, Jai Paul yeah. and how he never put out anything. Just that mystique of not putting out the album and the hype is being so unreal of building up to this moment of someone who has a lot of talent, where is it going to lead? Um, he signed to Rock Nation in 2010. He's been building up to this debut album since 2009. I don't know how he stayed signed to Rock Nation. Like, they continued to pay him. <laughs> he never released anything. He must uh, have done janitorial work. This new album, Written Testimony, uh, features Jay-Z uncredited on all the tracks besides two, and it also features production from Jay Electronic himself, uh, who does a majority of the production, Swiss Beats, Hit Boys, Hip Hip Boy, one singular, one boy, not multiple, not multiple boys. The Alchemist, No ID, and Curvin Bin, 
think that's how you're going to pronounce that. I have no idea. I'm sorry. Uh, it's 39 minutes, 10 songs. And uh, I had no... Oh, well, I got to tell you this. I hadn't told you this yet. I didn't, I, I didn't listen to this album. I didn't really know much about it. I had a dream that I reviewed this album. Before was, you listened to it? Yeah, before I listened to it. So I didn't know. I didn't know what this album is actually. But I had a dream I reviewed it, and it was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I think my reasoning is because I didn't know what the album like sounded like in my dream but I know my opinion of what it was in the dream and I said like yeah it's like he has Kanye-esque production and Jay-Z's on all these tracks and he's just fucking around <laughs> and uh like another thing was like like he was just like he's just really boring and uninteresting <laughs> I think it's that was probably because I just listened to Little Baby and I probably applied all the attributes to Little Baby album besides the besides Kanye-esque Jay-Z. and the Jay-Z features. On the Little Baby <laughs> Um But I didn't know what to really expect because I, I didn't... I knew of Jay Electronica, but I really didn't understand that the hyper-esque or why the mystique... Because I know at some point, eventually, he was probably going to release an album of not whatever but like if he did release it there is potential for it to be bad i knew that and i think everyone was expecting it to be 10 out of 10 masterpiece which i like this this is a good album not 10 out of 10 masterpiece or anything like that it's really respectable project though but i didn't really understand the hype because there was like for me to have hype you need momentum and he never really got momentum he just had talent which is different because like I think in order to get momentum, you need to put your name out there consistently. And he really wasn't doing that. Like over the last couple of years, he's had a couple of features. Like he was on Coloring Book, and he made that track with Doom. But other than that, he hasn't really done much. Yeah. So like I was, I was surprised one that there still was an audience that was really hyped behind it, and that was the majority favor of people being hyped behind this album. But two, that it w- this project is as big as it is. It's as wide scale it is, which isn't super surprising. That like something like this is because he signed to rock nation, but like having Jay Z on a majority of these tracks, all but two of these tracks having names like Travis Scott, James Blake's on a track, the, the dream dream. <laughs> uh, these are like, these are not only big name acts, but there's huge production and scope to this that I found to be really surprising. This is essentially, if you expanded his debut mixtape of sampling the eternal sunshine of the Spotless Mind soundtrack that John Prion score and stretching out into this. It's like the same amount of mystique and effort is on this as it was that score, which I found to be very surprising. The same amount of class and, uh, I don't know, uh, I, I, I guess, uh, dreamlike behaviors presented in, uh, in raw motion and dreamlike behaviors presented on this the same way it was presented on his first project so i was very surprised to see that what 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 makes this project good well i I think one one critique that i've been seeing is um that i'm going to kind of counterpoint is that jay electronica isn't really showcasing himself as much on here not in because the, of not the, his rapping talents yeah because of his jay because of the jay-z feature because of all these other features and the production jay electronica isn't really featuring himself so much and that if you didn't have these other elements it wouldn't be worth it i'm gonna counterpoint that and say all these other elements are the <laughs> a- 
aspect of gear creation and they all benefit Jay Electronica throughout this entire thing. Jay Electronica doesn't need uh, a bazillion Jay-Z features or anything like that, but they're really good in quality. Yeah. All the Jay-Z, a majority of the Jay-Z work on here is quality and it's some of his best performances and it's like, I feel like the realest perspective of who he is is on this and like he isn't trying to be act like he's dignified after having the fight with Beyonce on 444 where at times it's like he had really crucial points like on story of OJ or um, a Marcy me and like he was he was speaking true to what he felt but that was also his persona at yeah. the same time on this he's just he's uh, he's doing what made the best tracks on 444 the best because it, it doesn't feel like a half-baked apology mm-hmm. and it doesn't feel like he's trying to separate himself with the aspects where essentially he is just the same person he is the persona right so when you take away the persona there isn't anything there and it just seems fake um he isn't like that on this jay electronica is forefront in the aspects of being very uh face frontward about his religion having being muslim and having a bunch of arabic on here is really interesting and forefront to himself i think he showcases how his um compassion for his religion and his almost the crucialness to his life how it affects him on here and i think that's a very interesting aspect he also showcases his fear of fame his also his his come up in his um almost fear of himself in the business and the industry how it's going to affect him mm-hmm. but also i think generally he showcases as a guy who more or less likes isolation. And I think that it isn't like the most dictated story where we're getting all the personality of Jay Electronica, all of his life story into this. But I think it's enough where the curation, the Jay-Z features, the amazing production on this fills in those gaps. And Jay Electronica fighting other things outside of himself to make a call a solid project. Like I, I've heard some statements, people saying this is a watch the throne too. Which, in a sense, the themes and everything relates to. Jay-Z isn't rapping for himself on this as more as he's responding to Jay Electronica and building up the ideas off of that. Yeah, I don't think I could call it Watch the Throne 2 because it doesn't touch upon like any of the same themes, really. Like It's not, well, it it's not opulent. It, it isn't it's like a 50-50 like split. It's not completely gilded, you know? Yeah. And it's not a... It's not a jay-z and jay electronica album it is just jay electronica's album jay-z is only there as like a curation ability and it's like goes into something else that i really enjoy about jay electronica like as a curator as a producer as a rapper is like he doesn't necessarily have to have the focus on himself there are so many rappers out there that like want to have that focus on themselves and i think of the best ones like the reason we like kanye so much is because he allows for his production to breathe and allows for other features to be almost like a member of his little orchestra or whatever. Electronica, I think, does a very similar thing where he uses Jay-Z as just, like, another instrument. He uses his Travis Scott feature on uh, The Blinding as, like, just another voice, as another instrument. That's one thing I will slightly critique this album for. The listed features, having Travis Scott's not a long... Uh, around for enough to be i think listed as a feature the same thing for the dream but like when travis scott shows up later on with james Blake, 
I think that's fine because then there isn't a setup to we're gonna get like a verse from Travis Scott or anything. I like his performance. I think yeah. he does a good job. I don't think his place is wrong. I think having a, a listed segment. I understand. Is 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 kind of weird, but that's more of like a label issue probably or a publicist issue of I need my artist to have a feature. Right. If you're gonna ha- use my artist, you need to showcase him prominently mm-hmm. in the title of the track. Um. Uh, some great moments. The overwhelming event, which is the cinematic intro with these lovely strings and keys and has the Honorable Minister Louis Frank uh, Farrakhan Farrakhan on it, giving this very cinematic intro that relates back to uh, Jay Luxor and his religion and bringing it full circle into the cinematic aspects of this this is what his religion means to him and this kind of the centerfold of where he's gripping all these folds into it and how it essentially what's the basis and the makeup of him which i think is nice to have essentially a a a building point both cinematically and what the album's going to sound like but like on the building point of him and what his morals are yeah i think is really interesting uh you got the ghost of soldier slim has these lovely strings these island-like keys there's some light accordion there there's banging forefront percussion uh, Electronica has the verse from a hard place in a rock to the rock nation of Islam. I emerged on the wave that title made to drop bombs. I came to bang with the scholars and I bet you Rothschild. I get a bang for my dollar. The synagogue of Satan want me to hang by my collar. Uh, the only thing I can critique about this track is I, I think this is great just getting out of the gate and showcasing yeah. one having Jay-Z in the intro I think it was really interesting because it, uh, it defies expectations in a sense and plus I think he fits a little bit more to the beat he's a little bit more prevalent because Jay Electronica is a little bit more uh, I don't know uh, uh, like not that I think his performance is bad but he's a little bit more relaxed on this he's, he's not as uh, fast as he was on I don't his think debut, he needs to be. He doesn't need to be or anything like that because I think his flow later on is is terrific. But I, I think he's a little bit more reserved on here, um, and I think having Jay Z being the intro is something more eye catching and spectacular. Mm. Uh, the outro on this track goes on a little bit too long, but it, it doesn't doesn't overstay his welcome by any means. It's just a little bit <laughs> too much. Um, on the biting, you have this high nasally Arabic song being sampled with this vibrating, distorted percussion. Travis Scott's pitched up and he's strange. He's kind of like gelatinous in his performance. And it has this like weird trap switch up on the second half. The never ending story has this like heavy, dreamy keys on the guitar. <clears throat> and it like just goes kind of all over the place a uh, shiny suit series has this old school lounge show tune like per cut production this reminds me a lot of like an old cartoon yeah like when you they go to the club and there's they, like they try to replicate it a little bit with the vocal effects too yeah there's like, like the- jay-z has some strange effects on his voice and make it a bit harsh that i don't really care for and dream has the same faded effect but jay electronica does not and that kind of just makes it a little bit strange um uh, the track focuses around Jay Electronica almost being signed by P. Diddy and going into his aspects of uh, his almost self-doubt. Jay-Z becomes his self-doubt, talking about, boy, you must be a, off your rocker. I think you'll make it, it uh, I think you make it off the strip before they pock you. You got to be psychotic, mixing something potent with your vodka. It takes a lot to shock us, but being so pro- preposterous is preposterous. 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 <laughs> can't can't rhyme. How could this little nappy headed boy from out of the projects be 
the Apple America's obsession, you're totally disconnected with reality. Essentially, his own internal thoughts are being spoken by Jay-Z and being the essential, his own fears are being uh, described by Jay-Z's verse, which I think is really interesting. Uh, Universal Soldier has this slowed down uh, like synth in the background. Uh, there's light horns with Travis Scott's background vocals, and then James Blake's vocals blend with Travis Scott on the hook, and it's very strange. This nice harmony between the two work out really well. A lot of what I wanted on that last James Blake-Travis Scott collaboration is really replicated in this. More of the harmonies and the mixing of the two vocally besides each of them in a flat terrain. Um... I like the line, I glow like embers of coal born with a touch of gold. My mathematical my mathematical theology of rhyming a touch of touch the soul. I think that's like a uh, points on this, I think his flow is very similar to Doom. Yeah. Which is it, it makes sense because they've collaborated before, but I think they it's relevant. His his just rhyming scheme is just completely off his knockers at times and completely insane. Uh Flux Capacitor has this light boom back kips with a siren being sampled and this this like faded weird sample on top of that it's truly strange it sounds like we're getting this almost experimental version of like 90s boom pap <laughs> like you take a instrumental of, of like almost off of like the blueprint or something and yeah. re-replicated in this weird experimental form uh jay-z talks about his ideas of nfl and why why would i sell out if i'm already rich I kind of enjoy the fact that he's talking about it, but I think the sentiment this I think the sentiment hides from the fact that there's still ignorance to his position with the NFL and the fact that they have been very crucial into denying the fact for black players to make a what is it a stance on current day issues. Yeah, um, by not allowing kneeling during the national anthem, but. Uh, this track also has some amazing chopping of a Rihanna sample at the end, which is completely strange and out there. Uh, Fruits of the Spirit has a line from Jay saying, "Like Vince Staples said, we just wadding in, or we're just wadding in the water, waiting, waiting in the water. My people out in Flint still bathing in the slaughter. Ice out here ripping families apart at the board. Satan stuck, struck Palestine with yet another mortar. Just like." fantastic lyricism yeah. you have a Ezekiel's wheel with these light simps on these like weird strange metallic clanks that kind of take up the constant uh composition you have the awesome performance from the dream on here and then you have all praises due to Allah which is this sly guitar with huge light percussion in the back and the mist like the guitar takes up the front of the mist and the mm -hmm. percussion is very light in the back and the song's about uh, essentially um uh, the, the morning, but also uh, losing a loved one. And Jay-Z says, I got numbers on my phone that I'll never ring again because all I've done called them home So until we sing again. Um, and then Jay Electronica says, teardrops on my face. It's like teardrops become waterfalls by the time they reach my laces. My eyelids is like levees, but my tear ducts is like glaciers. As I contemplate contemplate creation the salt that heals my wounds pour out my eyes just like libations i can't stop my mind from racing i got numbers on my phone pictures on my phone the day my mama died i scrolled her text all day long the physical returns but the connection still stays 
strong. I, I like that. It it goes into the more the modern text of morning, but also when referring to his religion, there is some positivity to it, or at least some hope in the idea that there's some grander scheme mm-hmm. of things going on. And it, it kind of connects the full circle to what he pers- his personal beliefs to the moral make the moral makeup of him um, going, and then also uh, the, the idea of a plan, an idea of staying true to yourself. I think it's full circle on this. I think it's. I think this thing's top notch. I think it's awesome. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I think good curation. I think Jane Electronica, while not being as punchy as he used to be, still his rhyme speed, uh, his rhyme scheme on this is impeccable. I find him to be very uh, good at just uh, being well rounded in all the aspects on here. I don't think his personality, in terms of everything else is super standoffish i guess or super flashy to himself but i think the whole entire scheme and projection of himself in this album is very fundamentally stable yeah and reflects some of the round scheme of things um i don't have anything else to say in regards to that uh, i i think like one of the best parts about this album is j electronica's like lack of urgency and i i've really enjoyed that about like him as a producer or a rapper or even like just artists in general i guess and how he doesn't feel like he necessarily has to release projects like all the time to gain that momentum or gain that hype because like in all honesty the hype came in due time he released the, his one he released his one like mixtape or track or whatever back yeah. in 2009 and like 15 minutes held everybody off until 2020 yeah. Right, like his his uh, mythical, like legendary status just grew and grew exponentially from there because of like his his lack of being around. There's a um, and I like I like that he ties everything like into his religion, into his faith, like just how important that is in his life. It makes me wonder what he's been doing all this time to like earn any sort of money because I don't think he earned any money off of Eternal Sunshine. Like <laughs> I don't know how you'd monetize that. There's there's a song that like is performed in Bollywood called Bali Laka and it's like a now it's like a well known Western choir piece because it was arranged that way but um, basically the whole point of this is like in the movie there's this boss that goes all around the world and then returns to his company and at the very end he sings this song called Bali Laka to all of his like employees or, or family family members and everything and like tells about all the different stuff he saw like around the world and I feel like this is that that reminds me a lot of like what Jay Electronica is doing here. He's had like ten or eleven years to just experience life and get perspective on things, and now he finally decided like it is time that I release what I've been working on. And his like introspect on everything on here, like I love uh, Shiny Suit Theory. It almost reminds me of that Eminem track with Dr. Dre, uh, Guilty Conscience, yeah, where he's like pulling back and forth about like what he should do in his mind like jay-z voicing his like opinions and his own like self-doubts and everything as like a person and then the crowd like claps for him but like jay electronica doesn't have that i feel like like is this even happening is this like all in his mind him just like thinking all this stuff um i love like i said earlier like his creation of uh sorry curation of just using people as like other voices or like other instruments like Travis Scott is used very well that way James Blake the dream like these aren't actual feature features like you said but they 
I think that their sounds like work well for the whole project yeah. that he's like doing. Um, and I, I mean, I really liked Ezekiel's wheel going into all praises due to Allah. Like it reminds me of, um, the injury reserve song from their last record talking about like the friend that died while like yeah. playing basketball or whatever. Yeah. Like this is a, this is a thing that is touched upon like a lot in rap music mourning. and it's yeah. yeah, mourning and like losing loved ones. And I think that Jay Electronica's ability to make this a substantial ending and like end at this phase in the record, like this would easily be a low point on like anybody else's record. And they would probably end it with like something exciting or like some, some banger of a track, but like jail electronic lets this be the end. Like lets you think about that and just kind of stew over it for a long time. Like this, this hook of Jay Z saying like, I got numbers on my phone that I'll never ring again over and over like that just sticks in your mind as it fades out into the, yeah you know, with these, with these like synth outro. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed how he left the album, like on a low point. Yeah. It makes me wonder like what he will release again. And if ever, if yeah. ever. Yeah. And, and jail electronic has been very reclusive about the whole thing. Um, I didn't see any build up to this like in the coming days before it was released. Well, we got the the tweet saying my album's coming out in forty days, and then we didn't really hear much after that. Exactly. And then we got That's the track there was a couple days. There was before. like nothing building up to that, and then it finally just dropped, and it was like very biblical. Yeah. <laughs> the forty days thing, like obviously, has biblical meaning, and and I think the number forty means a lot in like a lot of different religions. Um, maybe even Islam, I'm not 100% sure, but, like, I thought that that was, like, just a, a really cool event. Yeah. And then, once it dropped, like, Jay Electronic hasn't said anything about it. Yeah. I don't even think Jay-Z has, like, said anything about it. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this. This, this was is, just this an is awesome... This is a very strange release. Um, I wasn't expecting really any, like, not that I was expecting anything, but, like, when you have this high standard, I was expecting, like, something very, that wasn't gonna deliver, because, like, when you build up yeah, these high stakes... Yeah, could have not delivered. Uh, yeah, but it ends up being fantastic on one of my favorite albums of the year so far. Uh, keep in mind all scores, if you're telling me, let's right now I'm feeling, uh, like, a nine on this. Yeah, I'll give it a nine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I'm just really impressed, and I hope we get something in the future, but I don't think it's wrestle, uh, necessarily mandated. No, I wouldn't happen. hold my breath, honestly. I'm glad we got this. It's a, it's a blessing that this we got a treat. this. Um, and we don't really need anything else, but it would be cool because the material on this, even if it takes us another 20 years or so to get another J Electronica album, it would be nice. Yeah. But it's not necessarily needed. Are you ready to uh, go dancing in the moonlight? <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Time to go over the latest Rap Ferreira album. Purple Moonlight Pages. Uh, Rap Ferreira, Rory Allen, Philip Ferreira, aka R.I.P. Ferreira, aka Rap Ferreira, aka formerly known as Milo and Scallops Hotel, is a Milwaukee MC and head of Ruby Yacht, his own label, which has several artists like Kenny Seagal. And there's another one, Svarial. That is the other one. Uh, they recently put out the project, their their uh, compilation recently of all the different artists on that. It's kind of underwhelming. Yeah, it came but, out last fall. But they also put out the Kenny Siegel Hemlock Ernst album, which is very excellent and uh, showcased uh, Kenny Seagal's uh, performance as producer and how he can elevate anyone. It also showcased how Hemlock Ernst was trying to get back to stable ground. And it was a very... Uh, Really surprising mix-up of two artists who kind of essentially needed each other at that one moment, which is really interesting. But Milo himself, over the years, has put out some uh, Milo 
Roy Ferreira over the years has put out some fantastic projects like So the Flies Don't Come In in 2015 with Kenny Segal. Probably his most accessible project out of all these. I would uh, say so. Who Told You to Think, where he went a little bit more to philosophery. Because that's kind of his style as he's... He's this philosophy like over yeah beats. spoken word, but more like a philosopher, higher standing style of artist. Um, more, I think it's polarizing in the sense where I think some people just don't get it, and I think sometimes you're just not supposed to get it because that's just his mannerisms as they are. Uh, no sugar grocers in 2018 with a lucid, uh, which is this nice blending of lucid's hardness and Milo's essentially his philosopher light character and the blending of those two and how they essentially softened and hardened each other's edges, which is really nice. And they became like a, a very unexpected duo that put out this 20 minute project that gave us this void and stream of consciousness like hip hop album that was uh, very underrated even by them by just have essentially just kind of a throwaway project and then following that up with uh budding orthologists are weary of tired analogies in 2018 a more lo-fi luscious mm -hmm. space for milo to kind of just lightly graves through uh just a bunch of different ideas and prospects yeah uh i was excited for this album because he, he did the name switch from milo to rap Ferreira, and i was interesting what that would entail if at any to the music and then i discovered that this is a collaboration with the jefferson park boys which is the team of kenny seagal who who uh, on this mostly does arrangement production uh, mike parvizzi who does uh who plays the roads the organ on this and then aaron carmack who does uh the bass. I think I, I put keys. I think I... No, Mark Perez, does the uh, bass. He doesn't do the roads. That's uh, Aaron Carmack, I think. But I was interested to see Milo with the backing, what he would really do, because the tracks that he's been releasing under Rap Ferrer have been more energetic. Yeah. And it, in a sense, it seemed like almost like victory laps, because they in a sense, it seems like he's just kind of skipping backwards. <laughs> like, it, it, it like... And I mean that in a way where it's like he feels so cocky that he can almost do anything at this point. Yeah. And he's so accepting almost of himself that he's able to highlight the more philosophical versions of himself in a more light and bouncy like nature which is interesting like Latrac leaving hell which is kind of almost about accepting the world around you at least my interpretation of it and finally almost turning your hell into a, a paradise of sorts it's, it's more about perspective and yeah it, hell is only in the mind and it was very bouncy very uh frolic like had these awesome horns and keys the production was top notch the production across this entire thing is super jazzy and amazing uh but also going back to like things that so the flies don't come in where it's more light v like void-esque introspective type production with light sense and uh, light percussion more uh, more for milo to reflect his personality than actually having something that will take the shine off him a little bit that yeah there's a lot more gaps in like the percussion and and production as a whole yeah uh i like the intro that he has on doldrum where he uh, essentially introduces the band and himself and kind of his thoughts going into the project but we get things like 
greens that has a sick improvised like bass line with thick kits and claps and it kind of showcases fundamentally where the production of this entire thing is going to lead it's going to feel very loose and stylish and it's going to constantly change and once you get kind of got sick of something it immediately switches to another thing it's like it doesn't linger for too long it's kind of sporadically all over the place which is nice uh non cypher has this lovely trumpet that appears and disappears into a lovely lounge like keys transitioning into a, a trumpet that completely takes up the mix uh omens and totems has these lovely cute synths that are, are, are downplayed with milo's like slight cockiness where he's a little bit more playful with his mm. wordplay and then they're they're broken up by these loud metallic percussion with snares and chimes that gall or swallows the entire mix uh, United Defenders of International Goodwill has this weird mix of kicks, xylophone, and dreamy strings falling to the thick, sprawling city-like baseline and keys, like almost like an urban atmosphere yeah. style of uh, production, um, or at least landscape of dictation of where you think the music would take place. Uh, Laundry is very uh, playful. It has these thick square synth mixes with faded lounge keys and it samples uh, Childish Gambino and Master Ace on hook. And the track itself is essentially about Rory just doing laundry. <laughs> and it's one of those moments where I really enjoy this track because it showcases one mundane life, but it also showcases like his impact on his son and the relationship we have, which in, I don't think we review enough albums where or music in general, where it showcases like a positive father figure. And it isn't like trying to get himself over as a positive father figure. It's just a showcase of mundanity. The last like, one I could think of would be Max O'Cream's dad. Yeah. And but like, that was, wasn't, that wasn't that Max was like, O'Cream. That was just his dad being part of the track. I, I was thinking of more of like a first person perspective. No. Yeah. I understand. But like on this, I think he's fun and playful. It reminds me a lot of Mike Eagle on this track and kind of yeah. the mannerisms he used. Uh, another day, another load of laundry. Soon as I woke up, that feeling was haunting me. Another dab with a hamper. I wonder, chance the rapper do his own laundry. Going on to, I scoop socks calmly from under chairs. Underwears, it, it is its own load and spin cycle. Towels too. How are you? I've been busy keeping this home together. You know, I'm humming in the kitchen. My son listening. He stares with them. Stares with them wide old eyes and showing casing and like a nice relationship between the two in this mundane life and how he has a positive effect on his son which I, I i just find to be really charming and humanizing for milo it's like i don't it isn't that i don't find him humanizing but it's like sometimes he seems like and like i i kind of enjoy this at, about him but he like seems bigger than himself which isn't necessarily a bad thing to take that kind of stance, but on this, I feel like he's he's taking kind of the same stance, but somehow finding a way to ground himself, which is what makes this the most interesting across the entire thing. Yeah. Um, Dust Up has this long spring where he uh, essentially goes in this long poetic moment that I'm not going to read because it's too long, but it's es- essentially him... S- it's talking about journey and what this album really means to me and what I think it, I, at least my interpretation of it is it's more about this album's about Milo's journey and where he thinks he, or not Milo, uh, Rory's journey and where he's kind of transitioned over the years and how he's kind of built up to this victory lap. 
Like he's made a bunch of pirate project number Milo. He established himself as a key figure in the art rap scene. And now his moment, it's his moment to kind of be more ambitious with scope. It's kind of take more risk. It's time to be a little bit more playful and sporadic all over the place. It, 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 it's, it's time for him to kind of explore new horizons in his own life mm. that are essentially just the same horizons finding a new perspective to different things by by still being the same person and i think that's kind of what makes this album interesting to me is that he's expanding himself by keeping the same aspects that make him him but just tweaking them a little bit so this is probably his most ambitious project and probably his most i would also say in my opinion probably more most accessible project to date in a lot of regards and I, I think he's still finding ways to get into deep poetic territory to talk about very uh, hard and like, I'm not going to say hard and poetic and very thought provoking material that you're not really going to understand all of it because it's it's more for him, his perspective and his stream of consciousness. But I think he's finding new ways to expand himself by being the same person and having a different environment and having different tools and having a different attachment, but still getting to the same ends. Yeah. Without getting into the rest of these quotes or anything, I think that like, it's very safe to say that like Milo is a lot more energetic. And I think that this production like really works well with him. I think that's one of like the scariest things that you can do as an artist is like fine tune your sound because like some artists try to fine tune their sound and it just, I don't, it just doesn't work out yeah. well. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Lil Pump. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like, he was kind of sloppy on his first mixtape, and that's what I think made it really endearing. And then Harvard Dropout was extremely forgettable because I think that he went all trap and fine-tuned, and he was like, this is it now. And it just wasn't... It never got to, like, what it used to be. Yeah. I would argue, also argue the same with, like, Yachty. Yeah. Never really got to the hypes of Lil Boat yeah. 1 because I think that he started to, like, fine-tune that trap sound again. But Milo, I think, almost realized that, like, his music was getting slower and slower and more, like, nonsensical. And I don't think that he really wanted to get down that route. And so I think he started to, like, pick it up again. He worked with Elucid on Nostrum Grocers. And that might have been a throwaway project, but I definitely think that he learned a lot yeah. from it. Like... Ruby Yacht, I think, was like way too self-righteous and too... Ruby Yacht was just all over the place, so it was hard to get an indication of I just like didn't, individual people. I didn't really care for the feel of the project because it seemed like very old-school, like, Philosopher's Club kind of thing. But now, like, Rory mixing with the Jefferson Park boys, like, Kenny Seagal, I found, like, I think he always kind of knows what you need. Yeah. And he really prescribed it well to Rory on here. I, I love a lot of these like more energetic tracks like Don Cipher, yeah. Leaving Hell, An Idea is a Work of Art uh, with Mike Ladd. I thought it was awesome. Um, Doldrums. There, I mean, there's some really yeah. great, more energetic, more uh, progressing, progressive tracks on here that just make, yeah. make Rory really stand out. And I feel like he's telling more stories. Yeah. He's more alive in like what he's saying he's not just like old man on the mountain top yeah. kind of thing he's like 
guy who has like street smarts who walks among us and is telling his stories, which I really enjoyed. The only thing that I would knock this on is like sometimes I think towards the end, like maybe the last two or three tracks, I just found to be dragging on, kind of boring. And uh, they, he starts to kind of get back to some of that like old, uh, slower material, yeah. like sparsely populated material. And, like not that it doesn't work for him because it worked for many years. But now I definitely think that like once he's in this new territory, I never want him to leave. Yeah. Uh, some things I want to touch upon. Uh, Doldrums refers to that idea of uh, a period of inactivity and essentially that period of uh, talking about grain antennas, increased lividity. Essentially him trying to fine-tune himself and progress. Uh, same thing with an idea as a work of art. It's more of him progressing and his ideas of his his statements of himself throughout the years have been works of art and now this new idea of his statement of himself also talking about ideas as we progress this is a larger idea of as we progress through society those ideas are statements of art and how we can improve as a society mm-hmm. and various issues of that nature but more or less to him and the improvements of himself or those works of art. Uh, Pinball has that great open mic eagle feature. Uh, those two work flawlessly into one another, uh, just so effortlessly. And Master Plan is the end where he's a little bit, there's like 20 minutes of noise where, like, I think him and Kenny or like Jefferson Park boys are like chatting amongst each other. And it's like, oh, should we start recording? And then it's into this like, la- like this jazz, straight up jazz track, which it reminds me a lot of, um, not as uh, intense, but what Bus Driver did on electricity or was trying to do on electricity is on our side. Um, but the purpose is the creator has a master plan and peace and happiness will roll through the land. And it's kind of accepting your own fate in the world or at yeah. least finding some solace into it as he's kind of finding trying to find some solace in his own point of view. Um, I really enjoy this. I think it's a, a incredible progression um, of an incredible artist I already found incredible and him going down it around mixing it up a lot on here and again it sounds like a lot on this he's just rapping backwards he's straight up just like finding new ways to reinvent himself and new ways to do old things uh by still getting to the same ends means but finding a new route and a new way to do things um i really enjoy this keep in mind those scores if you tell me knows right now i'm feeling uh nine plus on this yeah i'll give it a nine as as well yeah and are you ready to eternal a take a bath? No. <laughs> Time to go to the latest little Uzi Vert project. No, it's not the latest. It's the, it's the the. Okay, we'll explain it. It's the, it's the second most latest little Uzi Vert project. Eternal a take. Yeah. Uh, little Uzi Vert is a Philadelphia-based rapper and singer. Uh, came out on the scene with Love is Rage back in 2015. Got a lot of attention for that mixtape. Uh, he also keeps stealing Scott Pilgrim artwork, which I thought he was done with. But no, this latest release actually has more Scott Pilgrim artwork. Uh, he had a really great 2016 and 2017, specifically featuring on Migos' hit Bad and Bougie. Yeah, 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 <laughs> over and over. Uh, and also, Exo Tour Life, his like, big big single off of Love is Rage 2 back in 2017 and then uh, he he kind of went into radio silence. Yeah, it's just the whole entire point has been building up to this album. He got sued or he's at least gonna get sued by the Eternal Take folk for using the album art. That isn't this one because this album art sucks. The other one was better. Um, but 
he finally released this after three years of hype. It's kind of like a similar to J Electronica Mini scenario. J Electronica. But, uh, but, but more like Frank Ocean or like, what was the other one we brought Gambino. up? Like Gambino. These, these long buildups to of hype for something to release. But with Little Uzi Vert, my opinion was it wasn't going to really lead anywhere. But we might as well have some fun on this hype train. Yeah, I, I really didn't think that this was going to go anywhere because he did release a couple like loose singles or did a couple of features like, like in between. Yeah, what was that one? I'm trying to remember. He was on one. The one where he's putting his hand up. Yeah, I don't. I remember. can't remember what it was. And that's, uh, the that's key how hole. forgettable that was. Uh, honestly. But yeah, he finally released Eternal Take, and it was like an hour. Yeah. And uh, here we are. Um, and then he released Love versus the World Two, which is this another is hour. Uzi Vert versus the World oh. Two. It's just, it's. That's how, I don't. That's how he stylizes. It's, it's like stupid. so. There's two albums. We're only talking about Eternal Take because the other one came out. We're gonna do this like last week or something. We just ended up doing it. But the second album, I, one, it's released as a double album on the second one. But it's Eternal supposed T- to be the second half of Eternal Take. No, but it's put but in the it's beginning put before Eternal Take. It's like if you release Eternal Take and then he was like double album, <laughs> and it's stacked right on top. And it's like the, within it's a week of each other, thing. but like there's no purpose to. But he do- calls it. He also calls it the deluxe edition. I just think that's stupid. That's shooting yourself in the foot. Because if you're gonna release Young's deluxe edition like Young Thug did with so much fun, like release a bunch of tracks, do it like three months from now, so you can get like well, well, people don't remember the album. They can like come back to it and get refreshed and listen to all the tracks, not just the first half. Or release it in a part so you just have a completely separate... Release it single by single. Yeah, do that. Do a song machine. <laughs> There's a sound machine. Which one? For gorillas? Yeah, song, song machine. machine. Uh, so, being forefront, this album kind of sucks. It's, yeah, uh, this didn't lead anywhere. I think it was really disappointing because I thought that like Lil Uzi Vert... Not that I thought he was better than this, but I definitely think he had some more creative sounds than a lot of other like trap rappers. Yeah, he has a huge potential to make these very mindless, very hypnotic trap songs that are very example uh, Exo Tour Life. Exo Tour Life, but even later on on the bonus tracks on this Tizzle Shuffle, which is I think the most hypnotic uh, dance track he's created yet. That's completely mindless and gets you in this void with these synthetic hypnotic production moments that blend electronic and trap together perfectly. Um, mm. But the rest of this is just ethereal trap. Cloud rap almost, but not really. Uh, and it's really fucking boring. Uh, Little Uzi Vert, the storyline of this album is gets abducted by aliens and he has to touch some buttons. There's two segments where he has to touch buttons. And both of them are boring. He can't act for shit. Very terrible performances. Um, also doesn't have anything to do with the church or the suicide cult that Eternal Take was. Yeah, now it's all about aliens. Now it's all about aliens. And... There's one song that samples uh, pinball from, uh, what is it? Windows. Windows, like the 3D pinball noise, which is cool in concept, like just taking the entire and track. for that, this album gets a 10. <laughs> no, but it's like cool in concept of taking it, but it also goes on for like three minutes. And like the idea runs thin real quick. Like a lot of production on this runs thin real quick, doesn't progress. It's like pretty much the same intro loop expanded in three minutes. Yeah. Uh, little Uzi Vert talks about pussy on here a lot, and it makes me very uncomfortable. 
Like lines like, girl, I swear that pussy too wet, sticky, sticky. I kicked her right out of the front door. I'm picky, picky. Uh, what's the other line? <laughs> I'm going to just play with her pussy. Yeah, as fast as I can. <laughs> uh, there's a couple other lines related to uh, pussy on here, and they uh, they make me seriously uh, uncomfortable. Uh, there's also on Benita, he says, wait, I can make a crazy girl go on a date. I can make a gay girl turn to a straight. <laughs> There's a, a line in... What makes this so funny, like, I love his lines. Sometimes he's got some really good, like, zingers, I guess. I but... remember when I didn't have cable. That was back when I used to watch Zoom. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> that was the most relatable thing he said. But, like, these, I think these are funny, like, when you just read them, like, out of context. Like, like... <laughs> Get money like Anthony Hop. Silence the lamb and your ass will get chopped. I think it's so funny. Like, he makes some really funny references on here. But, like, the way that they are delivered are so poor that they're just not, like, worth my time whatsoever. He constantly falls off beat. He gets too caught in his own head. Pop is so unlistenable. Like, I cannot listen to that track because he just... Goes in front of the beat so often. You can you can keep a steady beat, and he will constantly be in front of it, and then he'll get behind. Yeah, he'll rush it. He'll he'll fall back again. Like he has no idea where this beat is. Like where where the downbeat is hitting, and it's extremely off putting. Like why would I ever want to listen to that? Uh, you better move is annoying because like his hook you better move you better move over and over i just i just find found an important line i forgot to mention Are you ready for this fucking all on your bitch and i use a thumb a lot <laughs> when i do yeah i make that bitch come a lot <laughs> i mean these are just <sighs> this is some of the stuff that we're just getting into this uh on this album and it is not good. <laughs> I don't know. Like it's pissed. the best. I think the best part of this album, in all honesty, were the two singles that he released to build hype: "Futsal Shuffle" twenty twenty and uh, "That Way." Yeah, which is is a really weird, like Backstreet Boys sample. Kind of sample. I don't know. <laughs> Those are the best tracks. And guess what? They're bonus tracks. <laughs> they don't even count. They don't tell the story. They're just stuck on here for more other, streams. Other than that, like the middle section with I'm Sorry, uh, no, Bigger Than Life, Crumb Heart Tags, and Buzz Me, that's a more consistent section, at least with the productions, more interesting. Like, they have these cool vocal loops. The production's a little bit more interesting, but it still drags on for a lot. It's, yeah. Um, and Uzi still falls off beat a lot. His performance is the same, Definitely the same to definitely not support an hour of material. Um, this no, I, I think like this got a lot of praise and a lot of the people I've talked to have listened to this. I've only I've only talked to one person that didn't like it. Everybody else I've talked to is like, man, I didn't skip a single track. I love this. This is so great. Which like I think Uzi is playing you because he built up all this hype just by being gone. Yeah. <laughs> but like his end product wasn't good see like the thing with die lit played by cardi's die lit is that was fundamentally uh hypersensively mindless to the point where it's like a strobe light flashing you in the face to the point where it 
the quality fundamentally supported what it was actually trying to need and make something that was completely mind melting. It's um, literally and, called and, Die Lit with <laughs> Playboy Cardi doing a backflip off of a table. Like, like that is how mindless and, and stupid this. And not whole to say it is. doesn't have better. Not to say it has lines like this because it does there's some stupid fucking lines on that album oh yeah for but sure but the, they're delivered in a way that makes them seem okay because the whole project is stupid uzi set out to make this like suicide death cult <laughs> album got sued then made it about aliens <laughs> did his little short film thing it's got a storyline. None of this fits together at all. <laughs> and at the end, it's very sloppy. At the end, he escapes the UFO and he's like, "I gotta release this album." So I like to think the actual story of what Uzi Burt believes is that he actually thinks he was abducted by aliens. When in real life, someone just touched his butthole. <laughs> <laughs> when they do that, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, this is just piss poor. I expect more. Because, like, the tracks, at least the singles had more. I'm not, I wasn't expecting this to be good, but I would like something to be good. I'd like the hype to mean something for once. I would like, I, I would like at least a Futijo Shuffle 2021. And uh, 2022, he should follow up every year with a new Futijo Shuffle. So we, we get updated in the regards of that. But, like, the material on this is just so spread out to the point of redundancy but it's like one thing i'll give it is it's not spread out to the point where it's little wayne's funeral little uzi vert is undoubtedly himself on this he's a piss poor version of himself but he's undoubtedly himself where little wayne's trying to replicate a copy of himself so like at least uh, at least i can give him better than that uh it's just like the aspect and of that's good that's the aspect something. is like little uzi vert's still timely he's not like a boomer yet <laughs> where he's trying to just hit modern trends. Like, he isn't like a Green Day where it's just amalgamation of stuff that they've they never been the about. <laughs> and on that, we're going to leave it there. Uh, keep my own scores if you're telling me this right now. I'm feeling a, a two to three. Yeah, I'll give this a two. Yeah. Uh, Sorry. This easy. is disappointing. Not that I didn't think it would be, but I just you know want what I it. Would, I, I bet would make this better. What? Stacking another album on top of Yeah! <laughs> Adding 45 minutes of more material would make this better. Yeah. Uh, we're not reviewing that other album. And uh, you know it does have Chief Keef and 21 Savage. Chief Keef was on this one. You know, he produced the... Uh, the yeah, he uh, produced... One uh, of the better tracks. Tags. Yeah. That was one of the better production moments on here. So, other than that. Uh, that's it. Uh, for this week's episode of the Anthony and Todd Show. There'll probably be another episode tomorrow sometime. So we're going to do that. But uh hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you guys are socially isolating yourself. Hope you guys are but, coughing. But just because <laughs> just because you're socially isolating yourself doesn't mean you can't play Minecraft with a cool ass MF Doom skin like I do. <laughs> Good night, everybody. <laughs> That's it. Uh, until next time, guys, you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find us at youtube.com versus the Anthony and Todd Show and Podbean Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, and Spotify by searching the Anthony and Todd Show in your favorite podcast browser. Until next time, guys, I have been Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see you, boyos. Bye, everybody.